This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on a specific shoes-on-shoes-off household, handling exes in the age of Facebook, the clean plate club, or not, booting your judgment, and being invited to pay for a party. All that? Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on VPR's open office environment and why it rocks. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And we have a lot of fun working together. You and I are very silly. We do have a lot of fun working together. And early, early on when we were first talking about this podcast, we said it would be fun to give people a peek inside the Emily Post Institute. (laughs) So Dan and I were, were trying to debate intro topics today. We always tell you about our weekends and our work and these sorts of things or, or our love lives. But we were laughing about how fun the Institute has been lately for how busy we've been. I mean, we got a lot of work on our plates. and The fall is coming. It is. And we're a smaller business than we've, we've been in the past decade. And so it's just it feels really crazy. And Dan and I are often finding points that make us laugh. We have a very, for cousins, we have a very brother-sister relationship. And I would say that I I think you and I have a friendly level of competition. I would agree with that. Yeah? Okay. Because we got really into it over our Facebook Lives the other day. And you really got into it on a level where I was like, no, I'm not going to be able to convince him that I win this. You often win. I do. So I stuck to my guns. I think it surprised you just a little bit. (laughs) It did. No, every time you do that, I'm like, no, but wait, I'm the youngest and I'm the baby of the family. I always get to win in the end. (laughs) Well, this is what I found so funny was that when we first started doing our Facebook Live series and the idea behind it started when the 19th edition came out and we launched a series we call How Do I? Yeah, hashtag How Do I. By the way, you're all invited. Please, if you're on Facebook, join us on Thursday afternoons at 1230 for the How Do I series where Lizzie and I do... We tackle a topic of etiquette, we give a couple tips, and then we take questions right yeah. there live on Facebook. And you were so excited about launching it. I and love it. It's a direct connection to our audience. This show was like step one of that. And then the Facebook Live is step two of that. And the best part is a lot of our audience from Awesome Etiquette shows up for the Facebook Lives and they say, I love getting to see you. And I Sorry, I I went off. I'm sorry. That's okay, but I was nervous about it. Yeah, I know. And you were so excited about it. I'm always like, expose us, expose us. (laughs) And what happens? We've been doing it for a little while now, weekly, for weeks. Two, three months, yeah. And this week you woke up with a stiff neck. I did. And didn't want to do your Facebook Live. Which you you told everyone about, dude. You said I could talk about it on air. I know, I know. (laughs) 
So I did it. But when I was looking at the videos, I realized I'd done about half of them. And it surprised me. Yeah. we got to bring Dan out of his shell to get him doing them. So encourage him, please, when he's doing his Facebook Lives, that he's handsome and lovely and wonderful. Oh, and... boy. <laughs> I just got made you so embarrassed. I'm sorry. Bad etiquette, friend. Bad etiquette, Lizzie. Well, this was the way the discussion went yeah. in our office the other day. No, it did. But you said, I've done more. And I was like, I straight up went straight to youngest competitive mode and said, no, you haven't. Like, what do you mean you've done more? And I said, they're right here in front of me. Let's count them. (laughs) And we did. And sure enough, it was 50-50 even split right down the middle. It was. But I loved the moment where where you were trying to push and say, no, 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 your one with Emily from HarperCollins doesn't count. And so then I was like, yeah, well, your one that you did on your own Facebook page doesn't count. But then you reminded me that that one wasn't there. So actually, if you counted the one that I accidentally posted to the wrong page, (laughs) I had done one more. So... But I was actually really up count? one with an asterisk. I want to know, audience, does this count? Come on, give us our tiebreaker here. I put I, an asterisk on that. I think the one I did at HarperCollins counts. And the one you did at HarperCollins was twice as long as the others. I didn't mention that at the time, but if <gasps> See, you had pulled is... that out, then you might have been able to asterisk yourself and See, why pull can't back you fight into my a tie. own battles for me be- against you? Because clearly you find better points than I do <laughs> when it comes to winning. Because it was fun <laughs> to watch you struggle. <laughs> Oh, spoken like a true older cousin. <laughs> anyway, we hope that you will join us for Facebook Live and help settle this dispute. We have loved getting to know you through Facebook Live. I had an experience where so many people chimed in about why the window shades on a plane have to be up or down on landing, takeoff, or sitting on the tarmac. And I loved that immediately... Our audience was having that conversation and bringing their feedback to the table. It was like the show live. It was awesome. So please keep bringing your questions to not only this show, but to our Facebook live events. We love it anytime that especially our awesome etiquette audience shows up over there. And please feel free to also, you know, we are we are willing to have interruptions there. Ask us other questions about the Institute or um, about etiquette in general that you have. This is a great time for us to connect in the moment with each other. And we're so excited to do that. And we know that you have more burning questions than just the topic we're covering that day. So please, please jump on to our Facebook Live events. In the spirit of opening up this conversation and continuing to open up this conversation, we also want to invite any listeners out there who have a question about the work we do with the Emily Post Institute. Feel free to submit that to the show as well as your etiquette questions. And we'll put together a postscript or an introduction at some point in the future that really takes a look at some of the corners of the work that we do at the Emily Post Institute that interest you. I was going to say, we we know what, what we love talking about and sharing about the Institute, but we really like making it about you and what you get out of this. So tell us what you want to know. And speaking of what you want to know, shall we get to some questions? Yeah. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. 
StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is da, 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 return to a favorite, but this one has a twist. It is hospital shoes off. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. My name is Megan. I had a question about removing shoes. I know you guys have talked about that a lot, but we're not a shoeless household. Our only rule about shoes is that we have a couple of members of our household, myself included, that uh, work at a hospital. Anybody that wore their shoes at the hospital has to remove them before they come in. We have a new member of our family that visits occasionally, um, and he just started working at a hospital as well. And even though he's not involved in direct patient care, I don't really like the idea of his hospital dirty shoes walking all around our house because we have a toddler. So my question is, do I, like, make us a entirely household shoe-free zone or do I, like, approach him at, a, like, at a different time to specifically ask him not to wear his shoes? Thank you. Bye-bye. Megan, thank you for your question. And thank you for leaving us a voicemail. We love to hear your voice. We really do. I've been really stoked at how many people have been leaving voicemails. So get ready to hear more of our audience on this show. I love this question because it's a caveat on a classic, and that's where I think this show comes into play at its best, which is where there's basic etiquette that most people know, or at least they, they know the guidelines around the whole idea of shoes on, shoes off. But now this is a different circumstance, and I love the way Megan is thinking, do we change things for the whole household, or do I just talk to this individual? My vote, and Dan, you tell me what you think, is that I would speak to the individual because he's new to the house. He, the house has been functioning with this hospital shoes off rule for a long time. And even though he doesn't see patients, it's fine that you have the rule set up the way that you do. You just need to explain it to him. And then maybe it's something like leaving a sign up for the first couple of weeks just to remind him when he gets home to that door, you know, oh, before I go in, I'm going to take my shoes off and then enter the house. Those are the simple little things. You don't want to put the sign up without having first talked to him. But I do things like I, I had to remind a roommate that for a little while, 
while my dog really needed a leash when he went out. He was going through a runaway phase. And I was like, oh, my goodness, here we go. So there's a sign on my door for like two months that says Benny needs a leash. And it was one of those things where, you know, the the norm had changed a little bit here. Your norm isn't changing, but you have a new person that you have to adjust to the norm of the household. And that's perfectly fine time to address it specifically to the individual. Yeah. No, what do you I think? agree. I'd yeah. have that conversation. I think so often in a situation like this where there's a, a good solid reason yeah. behind something, just revisiting that reason is oftentimes enough to get someone's buy in. And you're right. There might be a tactic that helps start to develop that habit or generate that habitual action. But I do think that the starting place is definitely to talk about your reasons. I have a toddler. We've gone with this rule, hospital shoes off, because hospitals are higher risk spaces. And we're really trying to keep those germs out of the house and off the floor where our toddler's playing all the time. That starts to make sense to me. It shows some respect for my perspective, if I'm someone who's seen that sometimes shoes are on, sometimes they're off, maybe it's registered to me why that matters to people. Maybe it hasn't. And you're right. When it's not a clear rule one way or the other, I think getting into those details is a good place to start. I like the way you're thinking about how do you form the habit? Because so often good etiquette is a question of awareness. And sometimes we do things out of habit or unintentionally. In fact, the vast majority of rudeness (laughs) is probably unintentional for just that reason. So maybe a little sign, an original etiquette. Yep. Etiquette, little sign, little 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 ticket. Little signs. That comes from the, uh, the three C's, communicate, compromise, and then the commitment part. And the commitment part is where you do these things that help the habit form so that you can keep the commitment of what you've agreed upon. And you phrase it as a suggestion. Explain the whole thing just as Dan did about the household and, and the rule and the reason and all that and say, you know, so if you could, that would just be great. And then you can also offer, if it helps, I'm happy to put up a little sign. You don't have to put up the little sign. And if the person says, no, 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 I'm really good about this kind of thing, it's it's an offer rather than a kind of mildly aggressive assumption that the person needs the help. And so another way to go. I like that development. (laughs) Megan, we hope that helps. And we hope that your house is hospital shoe free. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I titled our next question, This May Stump Us. I'm a little nervous. Like, I'm like, maybe we won't get an answer here. This is definitely falling into the it depends category for me. Okay. Let's take a look at the question. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I just finished listening to the episode where you discussed defriending someone's ex on social media. I have a follow-up question on that issue. My sister recently went through a highly contentious, ugly, emotional divorce. I'm so sorry. She had a terrible relationship with her now ex-in-laws, and the divorce only exacerbated it. My husband and I are friends on social media with her ex-husband and many members of his family. Since the divorce, she has asked us several times to defriend all of them. As support for this ask, she has tried to make us feel guilty by citing their bad behavior during and after the marriage. We don't plan to directly contact or hang out with her ex-husband or his family, but taking the extra step to defriend them on social media just to send some kind of message seems a little silly and petty. Also, we were pretty close with my ex-brother-in-law, and I would like to at least be able to continue to follow his life updates on social media. 
Should we honor her request? Thanks. Trying to stay out of the fray. This is a really hard question because you're I mean, look at all the different layers we're dealing with here. You've got this person who has been so hurt by a group of people. We know that the listener has seen what uh, his or her sister has gone through. And this is really difficult at this point. This is not fun. This is this is all those things. But at the same time, it seems like the listener can compartmentalize really well Mm -hmm. because she's he or she is able to say, you know, this happened to you, but we still have a good relationship over here or we'd like to still know that these people are doing well. And, you know, it just comes down to a difference of opinion. Some people are going to feel like that is a betrayal. And other people are going to be really understanding and say, hey, they're out of my life. But if you can still have a good relationship for them, I wouldn't want to ruin that. But it might be that there's just too much hurt here for your sister to feel comfortable knowing that you can say, hey, how's it going to these people? And they're nice to you back. That's a really uncomfortable position when other people can be friendly with someone that has hurt you. And I can understand her desire for anyone in her life to disassociate. That way she can be free of it in every way possible. I'm not certain that it's realistic to try to manage other people's relationships. So that's why I really understand where our listener who's writing in is, is coming from. And to further that, we're talking about social media where there is a chance that depending on the privacy settings, your sister could be seeing your interactions with her former family. If she goes to your page and sees that five of them commented on a post you made, Mm -hmm. yet they won't speak to her. I think you can start to see just how uncomfortable your relationship with them makes her feel. But at the same time, we're on social media and there are usually some controls that can help you not put her in that position. So... I'm not exactly sure because I don't Facebook all that much uh, what those controls could be for this particular situation. But, Dan, I've, I've just laid everything out for, from my perspective. What do you I, I'm dying to know what you think. I can see the way you're you're bouncing yeah, right? <laughs> back and forth on this and that there are a lot of subtleties at play here. Yeah. I think you've correctly identified two different places where there's open questions. One, yeah. you're talking about social media where oftentimes there isn't a particular rule or manner. You have a lot of choice about yeah. how you conduct yourself. And this is, a, to quote our listener, something that's, that's happening around a highly contentious, ugly, and emotional divorce. So right. you've got people feeling very strongly and not getting along well already. I, like you, found myself bouncing back around. I could see it this way. I could see it that way. And Mm -hmm. I said to myself, this is a perfect opportunity to work our process a little bit. We talk about basing our etiquette on consideration, respect, and honesty. And we oftentimes start thinking about a difficult relationship situation by asking ourselves, who are the major players involved? What are our choices? How are those major players impacted by those choices? And if we look at the perspective of how are the relationships involved here grown or improved by the decisions that we're making that can help make the choice about what to do? So I, I actually worked the process just a little do bit. It. And I Run said, us through it in the quick version yeah, to myself, we've got you and your sister and the ex, the ex's family and maybe your family. Mm-hmm. And the and thing, probably some friends too, in the and mix, probably yeah. some friends. That's the who of, of the, yeah. The, the even broader consider, look yeah, is all of the social media yeah, people who might be witnessing this, all of the more extended friends and family yeah, who might be witnessing this. Who's involved and how are they affected? I think you got two major choices here. You 
remain friends with these people. You don't remain friends with these people. And you might have some refinement steps where you manage those privacy settings a little bit. But big picture, I want to look at that that fundamental request. I'd like you to defriend these people. I'd like you to stop associating with them on social media. So you've got a, a binary choice in some ways with maybe a few refinement possibilities. Okay. I then said to myself, what's the most important relationship here? And I think it's with the sister. Yeah. I think that's the relationship that moving forward is going to be the relationship that that is the most significant, most substantial, most important relationship in this situation. Well, and it's the one that that from just a time perspective, like in three years, are you still going to be wanting to just check in on your sister's ex-husband's cousin who you had a nice time with at their wedding? Or are you going to want your sister to feel great about coming to Thanksgiving? And from that perspective, I was saying to myself, Social media contacts, how important are they really? I think my first thought is go ahead and defriend them. Yeah. That I, I understand that perspective of it feels petty. It feels like oh, I'm, yeah. I'm participating in a – Well, and someone else is managing your social relationships. That's not fair. But I also had that voice that I heard in your mind also saying yeah. that these are real connections. Yep. And you talked about something I hadn't thought about that your sister might see these people commenting on your post, that there are other ways that that relationship starts to reveal itself. But I was even thinking about how much I know about someone based on what I see them doing Mm -hmm. and that – in some ways, when you're friends with someone on social media, you're giving them a little view into your life and the major updates and things that are happening there as well. And that's a little bit of a view into her life They can check as well. in on the sister through this relationship if, if that's a thing they were going to do. It doesn't sound like it, but it could. But even if that idea was in your sister's mind, I think there start to be enough ways that there's some overlap that's introduced through this social media space that if it really was difficult, ugly, contentious, and your sister has made this request of you, you assume the best of her, that it's not just petty and vindictive, but that it's really about protecting herself. I think that's the yeah. the, the the choice that honors and respects. And I also have that other thing that you said in my mind that really a social media relationship, stalking exes is bad behavior. Do you really need to be connected to the- updating yourself on what your sister's ex-husband is doing if you're not going to have a substantial relationship with him moving right. forward? Having said all that, that's sort of my first choice, instinct, inclination. Is to just go for the defriend, support the sister, understand that there's probably more ways than you're realizing that this connects her to her ex-husband's family. And the cost is relatively low to you. Yeah. I also do understand that. I don't want to be managed. This is petty. In three, six, 12 months, a couple years, people might feel very differently Mm -hmm. and – you might regret and you're probably not going to refriend these people and having that connection to them might work, but you might. I can also see wanting to choose for myself to what extent I wanted to be the agent of the communication, the communication about how ugly and difficult it's been. Oh, that is not where I thought you were going with that. I totally thought that you were going with, if our listener who's asking maintains this connection, it's almost like, there's always that chance for either the sister or the family to be kind of like checking in or, or that connection is just still there. If you mm-hmm. defriend and you cut it off, you aren't an access point for either party that's mm-hmm. arguing with each other, you know? There is that. Sometimes yeah. around a really difficult breakup. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you feel loyalty to one side. Yes. And you want to show your support for that side Mm -hmm. by taking their side and defriending or not talking to. And part of your agency socially is to decide who you associate with. Mm -hmm. And by deciding not to associate with someone, 
I think sometimes there is a side in a difficult breakup and you want to take it. And I can see the sister kind of pushing you to take that side a little bit in the situation. And I can see feeling like I want to make that choice for myself. Not have it be coming from someone else, but me say, I want to make sure that my sister feels comfortable. So I think you've got some latitude. I think you are in a situation where you could make this choice either way for good reasons. Yep. I think I fall a little bit more on the side of I'm going to honor my very close relationship with my sibling. If I'm really not going to be maintaining a relationship with these other people out of respect to her, I'd go ahead and break that tie on social media. I'm with you. When we really thought about this question, I came down on the side of I would probably break the tie and then I'd make sure to be friendly if I saw these people in person or something like that. But I would break the tie. But if you aren't going to break the tie, let's just say I don't know your relationship with your sister. So maybe that's not something that you feel comfortable doing. Or maybe like Dan said, you want it to come from your own volition, not her request. I would say that I would be very careful about the posts I interact with them on. And I would really dive deep into Facebook's privacy settings to figure out how you can protect your sister from coming across these people on your Facebook page or from them seeing her stuff on your Facebook page. That would be my, like, refinement. Staying out of the fray, we just got right down in the fray with you. And I hope that there is some advice that's useful in there somewhere to you. This is a not easy situation, but we appreciate your tackling it with consideration, respect, and honesty. In this picture, we've looked at a few problems of the kind you and your friends run into every day. Remember what those problems of friendship are? They involve loyalty, good manners, and dependability. Our next question is a total classic, and it's a little bit of a history stumper. So we are going to ask our wonderful audience to please do some Google research for us and help us out. We're going to start searching through our books to see if we can find out if Emily Post ever made this claim. But we would love your help in figuring out the origin of this advice. The question is... Years ago, I was told to not clean my plate at dinner, but instead leave a scrap of food. Was this an old rule of etiquette? It's something I've heard, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? but I don't know if it was a particular rule. I, I couldn't name the time period that it came from or mm-hmm. the particular cultural source. Yeah. We couldn't find anything in the 22 edition of etiquette. So far. I want to look even further because the the index on that isn't as solid as it could be. So I want to do a deep dive through the dining section and the real manners about how to eat section. But it comes from the idea that if you leave a scrap of food on the plate, it means you have been sated. Is that the right way to say it? Right tense. Um, It means that you you are full. You've been taken care of. Your host has done a good job. If you had a clean plate, which is the other version, like it's the opposite version of this, being part of the clean plate club, Mm -hmm. which I think parents just invented. But that idea was that you were left wanting because you were able to finish everything. So clearly you should be offered more. And it's one of those where there's been a lot of etiquette that's cropped up around the idea of it. But who was the first person to say it? I don't know. My instinct is that it's shifted back and forth. Yeah. That at times of plenty, mm-hmm. the courtesy is you leave a little bit to show that you've been well taken care of. In times when there is less food to share, the courtesy is to eat everything so you're not wasting. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard about 
both under both circumstances yeah. or situations. So which traditional etiquette are we talking about? Are we going back to the era of the Great Depression? Or are we going back to before the era of the Great Depression? <laughs> and you might get a different answer depending yeah. on how far back you go. When I go back in my own personal life, I go to the Clean Plate Club. Me too. I grew up in a household where you finished what you were served. Yep. If you really didn't like it, you were supposed to try something. Yep. I would modify this rule. Yeah. A little bit. I would say if I left something, I like the way you talk about just leaving a bite or two. Very Leaving small just amount. a little bit so that it isn't wasteful, but it does start to signal that you're well taken care of. I think this varies culturally. Yes, this And I've is true. traveled, and I've traveled in some cultures where you're supposed to finish everything and some where you're definitely not supposed to finish everything. So Clean Plate Club, you've kind of stumped the panel here, and we're really curious what everyone out there has heard and where you think it might have come from. Will you remember to eat the right way? Ralph, would you like some tea? Oh, I don't want Well, okay. He'd sample everything that was served to him. And even if it didn't happen to be a food that he preferred, he'd eat some of it anyway. Dan has asked that I read the next two questions because he had some funny thoughts. So the first one is titled, Don't Sweat It. And I really lo- I loved this question. The groom's boutonniere was on the wrong lapel. Should wedding pictures be photoshopped to correct the placement? In the grand scheme of life, how is this judged? Thanks for your reply. Okay. I'm loving this. I know. You're loving this. I'm loving this. I know. This is a fun question. This is like welcome to the new world where yeah. you could move a boutonniere, boutonniere from over. one lapel to the other. Um, it's fun. If you are going to have fun doing it if you're a Photoshop wizard and you would enjoy this, by all means, go ahead, move those boutonnieres. I would not incur any expense over this. I wouldn't uh, take any extra time out of my day that I didn't enjoy I say, taking out of my day to do this. You did notice what I titled the question as, right? Like, Absolutely. Don't sweat it. But again, Photoshop wizards, if go for this it. would give you pleasure to, to, to make these corrections <laughs> afterwards, by all means, enjoy. This is going to be judged as much as you choose to judge it. What I would do is I would laugh about it like, hey... I'm glad the groom showed up. If his boutonniere's on his ear, I'm not worried about it. Just as long as, like, they show up, have a good time, life is good, let's just not worry about those details. I could see a page in the album that had boutonnieres all different places. (laughs) (laughs) You start putting boutonnieres on ears and... So yeah, grand scheme of life, this would not be judged harshly. Some people might notice it and they might giggle about it. Be prepared for that. But other than that, I think people are not going to finger point or say, oh my gosh, they so got it wrong. That's just not the, I don't think that's the world we live in nowadays anyway. Do you? No. (laughs) Don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. People want to look their best. So the photographer must know all the tricks of lighting and of posing. He should also know how to retouch negatives. Our next question is called Take Control Where You Can. It's another short one. I was invited to a birthday party held at a catering hall. Guests were asked to pay to attend. Am I still obligated to give a gift? Thank you for your reply. I'm not loving this. No, I'm not loving this. And that was what I thought was funny, by the way. I got to say I'm loving this and then I'm not, not loving lo- this oh, on the next question. But um boom Dan's humor. No, I, just kidding. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> You're so cute. All right. My big thought here is if you usually would bring a gift to a birthday party, bring a gift. Yes. I, agree. I think that if you are someone who always brings gifts to birthday parties, bring a gift. If you're someone who never brings gifts to birthday parties for your adult friends, I'm guessing this is probably an adult friend, then yep. don't bring a gift. I wouldn't make not bringing a gift retribution 
for the bad behavior of asking someone to pay to come to a party that you're supposed to be hosting. Yes. And as Dan and I are so fond of remembering everyone who receives an invite that's not quite as polite as you might know them to be, um, I would say that it's always okay to say no. You can always say no and then choose to send a gift or not because it's not an obligation for this. But I love the idea. If you're going to go, you go, you participate the way they've set it up and you don't vary what your standards of birthday party attendance are. What I'm officially not loving about this question is that you're being asked to pay to attend a party in the first place. That that type of bad manners starts to raise questions in other people's minds. How should I respond to this? What am I supposed to do here? And the answer is you can control what you can control, your mental state, and you have to ask yourself that first question, do I even want to attend? Yep. And if you do, then you attend, but you bring your full self, your best self, and you go have a great time with gift or without. Thank you so much for your questions. And please send us updates and comments. We want your thoughts. You can send them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Don't forget, program that number into your phone so that you can send us your salutes, feedback, and question anytime you need to. You can also hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Our first piece of feedback today begins. Hello, awesome etiquette. My mother and I were listening to my backlog of AE episodes this weekend as we drove to North Carolina to move me into my freshman dorm. Ah, congratulations! What fun. Please do enjoy. (laughs) Somewhere around Virginia, we came across episode 140, which contained the question about potluck problems, namely a host who left the responsibility of providing the main dish to their guests. I think this was one of the shows that Uncle Billy co-hosted with me. It absolutely was. And somewhere later down the list of shows, my mother also had a piece of feedback for this question. Okay, cool. Bill provided some excellent advice and encouraged the question asker to demonstrate the proper behavior the next time that she hosted a potluck with this group of friends by asking if so-and-so would be able to bring the salad, etc. I thoroughly agree with this advice but wanted to give the question asker some extra advice to make this even easier on her. Before my senior prom this year, my group agreed that we wanted to meet up early at someone's house to take pictures and get something to eat. Our group was rather large, 16 couples plus their parents and the occasional younger sibling, so we opted for a potluck. Nice. The family with the biggest backyard volunteered to host everybody and said that they would get two extra-large pizzas, as well as provide the paper napkins, plates, and cutlery. Then they sent out an email using a service called Sign Up Genius. The hosts were able to create a list of everything that still needed to be brought, as well as the quantities, for example— Four bottles of two-liter sodas, two desserts. Guests could then sign up to bring whatever they were comfortable with and specify what exactly they were bringing so that they were not multiple, as in Sue was bringing Dr. Pepper and making chocolate chip cookies. The service even sent reminder messages to the guests so that nobody was caught in an awkward situation. Systems like this make everything easier for all parties and would maybe even help to streamline the process for the question asked in her group of friends. Hope this helps. All my best to the entire Emily Post Institute. Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. I love anything that makes it easier to coordinate potluck events. Thank you for the tech advice from the next generation. That's a sign-up genius recommendation. 
Our next piece of feedback is also a follow-up, and it begins, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love the podcast. Just wanted to provide a suggestion for the listener in episode 153 who struggles to get a house guest to leave at the end of the night. I wonder if she might try the following, which I employ in the workplace, but may transfer to a social setting as well. When I'm going into a discussion with a particularly chatty employee who may be tempted to linger, I set expectations immediately. I have a meeting at 2 p.m. so I can talk for half an hour. I feel like this could also work for your listener. When issuing the initial invite to the whole group after the meeting, she could lightheartedly say, I have to be an old lady tonight and go to bed at 1030 or whatever time works. So we'll have to wrap up by then, but I'd love to have everyone over in the meantime. Then expectations will be set ahead of time and departure time will be easier to enforce at the end of the night. Just had a thought. Thanks for all your great work, Amanda. Amanda, I love this because you don't assume that just by saying at the start of the evening when the end time is that people will remember it. You're saying you do this so that it is easier to enforce that end time at the end. It's a it's something they understand, they heard about, and now they're just getting the reminder. Oh, remember that time I said y'all have to leave by? That's now. I love, I love it. I love this also. And I, I like the transition from work to social, social to work. These different areas of our lives can really inform each other. I love it as work advice. I loved hearing that feedback. I, I will be uh, mining this piece of feedback for more good advice the next time I'm talking to a business audience. Well, thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is about something quite close to home here in the studios of Vermont Public Radio. It is. It's In fact, it's almost a Postscript sa- slash salute. It is a little bit of a postscript slash salute slash congratulations. That's a tongue twister. VPR, Vermont Public Radio, has gone through a major renovation. They have completely renovated the building that has been their home for many, many, many years. It's doubled in size, maybe more than doubled in size. It has incredible new office spaces, new studios. The radio community here in Vermont is very supportive, and we couldn't be more appreciative of the support we get here, both from VPR and from the larger audience in Vermont. We love this new space. It's awesome. It's been really fun watching the folks at VPR interact in their new space and figure out what's going to work best for them and use the space as it's intended. So here, here's what you have. You have a big open cubicle area that has kind of everybody's desks. And when I mean everybody, it's everybody. It's it's straight up from the CEO all the way to, I believe, interns. Everybody works in this open office space. And then they've got private rooms for closed door conferences or if you really need a quiet space. And then they have this space that I'm dying to have Dan tell you about because it's their open cafe area. When you come into the building, they have a multi-purpose space where they host music events and, and larger gatherings, but they also have a, a cafe Cafe space where there are tables and an open kitchen and a reception area. And it really is like a cafe. People are there throughout the day. People enjoy snacks and coffees, but it also is this it's a workspace. Uh, it's a workspace, but it also has a feeling like a sort of almost bohemian coffee shop. There's a, a creativity to mm-hmm. the encounters that I see going on there. And it started to inspire the thought in me that good architecture is so remarkable and that it draws behavior and activity out of us, that it creates 
spaces and it creates social environments. And this building is really working. It's working with the organization. But it's also got these multi-purpose, multi-use spaces that are part social, part work, part entrance way. And the way that this organization is using those spaces is exemplary. And I think it's really good for the organization, inspired this postscript, both as a congratulations to VPR, but also as a little bit of an investigation about how an organization can utilize space to facilitate good work. Yeah, non-conventional spaces, (laughs) non-cubicle, non-office spaces that are still workspaces. And a couple of things that I've noticed is that people are really respectful about people that are doing work. Yes. In those spaces that if you see people sitting around computers or they have materials or paper out, people almost treat it like a meeting. And and I've, I've noticed that whereas usually I would greet people when I see them first thing in the morning, if I see people using that cafe as a workspace, I tend to keep it just to eye contact acknowledgement, maybe a nod, but I don't interrupt what no, I no. see as being a work meeting. I would say what we do when we walk in is because often like so, some of our favorite people that we really interact with quite a lot around here are in those types of meetings or doing that type of work in the cafe space, which we walk through to get to our studio, just so you know. So what I love is that some days, for instance, Michelle won't look up from her computer at all. And I will know that she's just deep dive and work. And I'm not going to try to say, hey, and talk about Benny, who she loves, you know, instead, you know, you just kind of do the past. But other days she might be working with other people and they all look up and say, hey, or they'll ask something about the show. And you know that you've been invited into that moment of greeting. And it's what I just love is that as we have gotten used to the space, it's been so clear what the etiquette is in that space and that the people at the tables really kind of dictate whether they are interruptible or not and that it's very easy as a person passing through to pick up on that without feeling prickly if it's the not time to interrupt it still feels okay I don't feel awkward when I walk through the space and people are working I don't feel like I'm bothering Mm -hmm. people because I've entered the space at all Um, And that I found to be a really interesting aspect of seeing this open working environment. Other things I've noticed about this shared workspace, it has a kitchen that's that's attached there that people use for all different kinds of things. Oftentimes there are yummy snacks and treats that are provided there or available there. But the space is always clean. People clean up after themselves. And I know that when the space first opened up, people really took care um, to talk with each other about what the standards were for mm-hmm. cleaning up after yourself. And I've noticed that people have really stuck to those standards. And it makes it possible to work because there aren't crumbs on tables and there isn't food sitting around or dirty dishes piling up in the sink. I think that is part of what lends to that feeling of that being a space that people can both utilize for work and go grab a donut. And I notice things like little notes showing up at time. And we talk about the the, the notes and, and sort of these anonymous the notes and the etiquette around the notes and things like that. And sometimes we like them and sometimes we don't. But I notice that the signs that are up and around the kitchen area are often ones of function. So it's like the dishwasher is clean or please remember to fully rinse your dishes so soap isn't sick. Things like that kind of crop up, but they're very gentle reminders. I don't feel like people are getting territorial over this space. I don't feel like people are feeling like they can't use this space. I see a lot of different employees engaging with it. I couldn't agree more. The other thing that I've noticed that I love is I almost never see someone on a cell phone there. I know. 
And one of the, the biggest complaints that we hear about in open office and cubicle environments is people talking too loudly on their phones. And that's both the, the hardwired phones but also cell phones. And people really seem to be respectful of that public place and take their phone conversations elsewhere. And I think that makes a difference. No, it's definitely it's – it's a remarkable area that has really – the employees at VPR have really embraced it and used it well as a as a collective group. It's inspired me to be more open to open offices and shared use spaces and professional contexts. And I just want to give a, a bit of a pre-salute to the people at VPR for showing us how these spaces can be used to their best advantage. Thanks so much. Keep it friendly. We love it. We love to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms. And today's etiquette salute comes from, <laughs> I, love, I love the way the sign-off was, Enhancing My Etiquette, Melissa. Melissa writes, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you for working so diligently to create an informative, entertaining, and delightful podcast in Awesome Etiquette. I heard the call for more etiquette salutes, and it motivated me to share a story of kindness, courtesy, and respect that I recently witnessed among my neighbors. We live on a dead-end street with wonderful neighbors. We know each other's names, have the occasional neighborly gathering to spend quality time together, and regularly chat while tending the lawn or working around the yard. A few weeks ago, one of our neighbors sold their home and moved out, much to our dismay. Mere hours after their moving van pulled away... Fierce winds knocked a tree down in their backyard and the yard of the next-door neighbor. The new homeowners were due to arrive and move in the very next day. Not wanting the new homeowners to be surprised and have to deal with this hassle and to help the adjoining neighbors who were also part of now having the tree in their yard— I witnessed nearly half of the people living on our street, including my husband, come together to find a solution. From investigating the extent of the fallen tree to contacting the HOA to understanding the responsibilities and guidelines, it was a tree from a protected greenbelt. And even offering up equipment and pairs of hands to help remove the tree, it was so refreshing to see people come together and the problem solved to help others, even total strangers that had not yet arrived to their new home. In the end, the HOA dealt with the tree and our neighbors contacted the new homeowner's realtor to give them a heads up about the fallen tree so that they wouldn't be surprised. This is simply one of the many reasons I love living where I do. And I'm hopeful that as your podcast grows in popularity, there will be a proliferation of awesome etiquette salutes as more people approach life and each other with consideration, respect, and honesty. Keep up the good work. Enhancing my etiquette, Melissa. That's so nice. Like, I mean, these are strangers. None of these people had to deal with this, maybe except for the extra neighbor that the the tree was affecting. But that's some pretty thoughtful and preemptive um, behavior on part of those neighbors. I would like to live near those people. Thank you for listening, and thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. So you can find us there for the next Facebook Live. Help us out. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you like the show, please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thank, Thank you, you, Chris. Chris. Awesome.